2: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway sales event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
3: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
3: (sighs) Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for
4: details. Hello, and welcome to another edition of, uh, Basketball? I'm Sean Woodley.
5: And I'm T.D. Heindel.
4: And today's show is brought to you by Rashid Wallace, who on this day back in 2010, Katie, suffered a very upsetting loss in Game 7 of the NBA Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers. Rashid Wallace's Boston Celtics fall. Rashid was forced to start this game after Kendrick Perkins was ruled out with an injury, uh, had been coming off the bench for most of that run. And the Celtics fall short in an 83 79 Game 7, which I think is a first half score in uh, most of the games that have been going on in these playoffs. Uh, Katie, uh, how do you feel about the 11 year anniversary of Rasheed Wallace's game seven defeat?
5: Um, Do you think uh Rashid and Kendrick Perkins are friends? Ooh,
4: that's a good one. I feel like Kendrick Perkins gives off the vibe that he was a very annoying teammate uh, who people were happy to have around because he would like, you know, throw his muscle. But for the most part, i i don't know if he was like a beloved teammate it seems like kevin durant for example kind of has you know some shady feelings about kendrick perkins and, and their time together so yeah he kind of just seems like the guy who's very loud and boisterous and doesn't realize he's the annoying guy in the room and i don't think she would vibe with that super well
5: mm-hmm. yeah that's a good read yeah thank
4: you um but yeah, she this is a crazy game. The Celtics basically played six players in this game. They played their starters all 35 minutes or more. Uh Pierce, Allen, Rondo all played more than 44 minutes. You got Glenn Davis coming off the bench for 21 minutes as the only real contributor off the bench for the Celtics in this game. Real grinded out basketball, Katie. I don't think I miss this kind of basketball, if I'm being totally honest, where both teams shoot like uh 30% from the field. <laughs> so I'm kind of glad we're in. The area we're in now. Uh,
5: actually, I was going to say that we're we're in the same era of grinded out basketball, but for different reasons. Yeah, so only six players being available to play. <laughs>
4: You make a very good point and that will segue us wonderfully, Katie, into our uh, show today. We have a lot of stuff to get to, so we're not really going to waste too much time getting to it. You know, I'm sure our weeks were fine. It was nice weather outside. You know, cool stuff. Uh, the NBA is burning at the moment, Katie, with a million different stories, both on and off the court, in and out of the playoffs, and we have to dive into all of it. Yesterday, I woke up like, all right, what are we going to talk about on tomorrow's podcast? Not totally sure. And then the internet granted me all of the topics that I was going to throw in the rundown, uh, (laughs) just because uh, yesterday morning was one of the most intense, insane NBA news days I can recall, and not like a good, fun one where the trade deadline's going on and there's fun transactions taking place. Most of it was very sad and upsetting news. So we're going to dive into all of that today. Before we get into that stuff, though, just a reminder, you can go to our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash abasketball with two H's, go to that site, uh, give us either four bucks US or 550 Canadian, that is all it takes to uh, subscribe to our show per month, and you get lots of great stuff, including Discord access, including uh, Patreon mailbag episodes, which were a couple weeks away from recording the next one. Uh, you'll get access to fun events like trivia nights and things like that as well. Highly appreciate anyone who uh, decides to support us on Patreon, so go over there, patreon.com slash basketball with two H's. With that business out of the way, Katie, let's get to the business of the NBA melting down in all sorts of different ways. We'll talk about the headlines, the first section of headlines, as we basically have two sections of headlines coming up. Uh, we'll get to that in a second here before we round up the show with an old favorite in the segment we're trying out this week. But let's get to it. All of the news from yesterday crammed into a couple of segments in just one second. <laughs>
2: Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
0: Judy was
2: boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
2: Now, Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
4: All right, Katie. We got some headlines. Maybe more headlines than we've ever had here on uh basketball. So let's get to it. Yesterday was a crazy day. We were coming off of an evening in which uh the LA Clippers had tied their series with the Utah Jazz and that was all exciting and fun. We were coming off of uh, I guess it was like the crazy Nets game. Oh, well, yeah. We were coming off Kevin Durant uh, having one of the greatest basketball games literally ever played by a human being, and that was all overshadowed in the morning by a cavalcade of news drops, each more depressing than the last. Or Maybe it started with the most depressing and got progressively less depressing. I don't know. It doesn't really matter the order. We'll try to go chronologically here, though, Katie. The first thing that came across the wire yesterday morning was that Chris Paul maybe the best story of the playoffs, the Suns are the darlings of the Western Conference, maybe the whole league at this point. They have been a a delight, and they're waiting for a team to meet them in the Western Conference Finals after sweeping away the Nuggets. And as it turns out, because this season can have nothing fun or good, go unpunished, Chris Paul is now in the COVID protocols, reportedly tested positive, uh, reportedly has also been vaccinated, so, you know, who's to say what's going on there? Uh, This sucks. He's out indefinitely. We have no idea when he's going to come back. If we're thinking about sort of past players missing time with the COVID protocols. You know, it's ranged from a few days to a few weeks, and there's not really any way to predict it. Uh, Katie, this news is a freaking bummer.
5: Uh, It is a bummer, but I do want to be cognizant of spreading misinformation on our podcast. Sure. You can still test positive for COVID if you've been vaccinated. Oh, yes. I'm not Uh,
4: saying that's not true. Yeah. Apologies if I was unclear. You seemed a
5: little skeptical in the rundown. (laughs) I just wanted to be clear. Uh, And you can still transmit it to people. So Mm -hmm. I think, uh, one, yeah, this totally sucks. Two, this is also the first time, at least that's been announced um, and made public by the league, that a player who has been vaccinated uh, has entered COVID protocols. So we don't really know. Like, it hasn't been made clear what the how long he has to sit out or be in those protocols for. Uh, it could be a couple of days, you know, like it could just be four days, five days, maybe a week. Uh, so, in the grand scheme of things, if he's well, he could just be fine when they're ready to advance to the next round.
4: Yeah. Yeah, there's a world in which because they have the time off here after the sweep, like there's a world in which things resolve themselves and he's back and ready for game one, but it's all kind of up in the air right now. And I guess it also kind of hinges on how quickly the Jazz-Clippers series wraps up, um, as the, the Clippers took a three-two lead in game five last night. So you know maybe the the, the next round is expedited if the um, if, if things transpire over the course of the next couple of days and the Clippers end up, I don't know how the schedule all works. Maybe there's a set start time for the conference finals. I have no idea. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, for Chris Paul, it's just, I feel very badly for him. <laughs> it seems just like, an unstoppable string of bad luck continues to try to dog him and his attempts to make it to the finals for the first time. Um, you know, he had the hamstring injury a couple years ago, you know, Josh Smith and Corey Brewer going nuts in a playoff game a few years before that, you know, his own turnover issues and big games against the thunder. And I think the Grizzlies as well in the past, like it's just kind of been a really shitty run for Chris Paul, you know, all the while he's incredible and is like one of the best point guards of all time. I don't think the bad luck takes away from that, but it does sort of suck to see his sort of redemptive season in a lot of ways get derailed potentially by this. You know, how are you feeling for Chris Paul in particular here, Katie?
5: Uh, I'm actually looking at this much more optimistically because, yeah, he has certainly been haunted by a lot of bad luck, especially in the playoffs in his career. but. Mm -hmm. I would say that the Suns have already like had a lot of bad luck, and Chris Paul has had a lot of bad luck. He had a potential short, like very bad, maybe worse than was reported publicly, shoulder injury, sure. you know, and he came through that <laughs> on the other side. So again, I'm I'm kind of choosing to look at this as one. He's not going to let it derail uh, his playoff run, and I don't think the team is either. So worst case. Maybe he misses a couple games in my mind, this is worst case, or maybe just the first game of of the next series. Uh, and then he's back. But I think maybe I'm choosing to look at it as Chris Paul has had a, a lot of bad luck or continued bad luck handed to him this, this playoffs. But, um, He's kind of just decided not to let it bother him anymore.
4: Sure, sure. And comparatively to the rest of the NBA, uh, (laughs) the Suns have been uh, basically walking around with leprechauns in their ass uh, because the rest of the league is just melting around, melting down around them. Um, that does bring us to the next bit of news from yesterday, Katie. Kawhi Leonard uh, was ruled out of Game Five early in the day. Reports are that the Clippers reportedly fear an ACL injury, and we don't want to jump to any conclusions here. Of course, we're not doctors; we have no idea. It is never great when you hear the phrase ACL injury thrown around in reporting, um, and his you know his ability to play the rest of the series seems to be in doubt. Of course Paul George had himself a very redemptive and awesome playoff game last night to keep the Clippers alive and you know bring them to within a game of making the conference finals that's a wonderful story we can get to that if we want to later on but Kawhi uh has been outstanding in this postseason like he's maybe the second or third best player who's been going so far in terms of like resume this postseason. He's had some all-time games already. Game six against the Mavericks, for example, was an all-timer. And it seemed like he was maybe on track to uh, just carry the Clippers through the postseason despite all their roster dysfunction. And now that seems to have been derailed. I am just so beaten down by the crush of injuries to Stars, Katie. I don't even really... Like it sucks ass. I, I don't even know where to go. We're, we we're going to talk, I'm sure, about the the injuries piling up and the all stars missing time, and we're gonna get to LeBron talking about said uh, phenomenon later on too. But this Kawhi thing sucks, and I don't really know how else to talk about it because it, it just. It seems like just the latest in a long run of things that suck and there's nothing that can be done about it because the NBA chose its fate of playing all these games in this shortened time frame. And it's not to say that any of these injuries are directly tied to playing all those games, but, you know, your reporting, other people's reporting, mostly your reporting, I'm I'm going off of, suggests that this was always predictable, that... There is going to be a higher risk for this type of thing. And, uh, you know, Kawhi's carrying a big load, and he's a guy who's had injury issues in the past, and it just sucks to see him go down when he's kind of at the peak of his powers once again. I don't even know what else to say.
5: When did this happen?
4: That's what in, I was kind of confused. It was in with. game four. Um, I, I, I'm not sure uh-huh. if you stayed up to watch that game. He was like driving late uh, in the fourth quarter, I believe. He sat out the final five minutes after it happened. To me, it kind of looked like, if you recall, the Raptors Bucks game three, I think it was maybe game four, when like Kawhi dunked on Giannis, and then kind of
5: oh, and then he was like kind of hobbling around after, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. And so it kind of looked like I thought like about that. that too. Yeah, it didn't look like it wasn't like a non-contact, like he falls down and is in a heap type of thing. He like stayed standing up and uh-huh. kept walking around. So it maybe. Seemed less serious, but obviously it's a pretty th- it's a pretty significant thing if it's ACLs being thrown around as, as the potential cause here.
5: I mean, when yeah, like I, I think ACLs seem uh, very mysterious. When Clay hurt his, he did walk off the court and then he came back, remember? And then he left again too. So I think it's like I don't know. It seems a, a dubious a dubious tendon, um, ligament, but
4: dubious tendon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This
5: sucks. It, 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 it really sucks for Kawhi. He was having a phenomenal playoff run. He's, he's having like a pretty phenomenal season overall. I'd say, um, the only thing I quibble with from you, what you just said, and I guess what we'll get to later, what LeBron said is like, I don't really give a shit that it's like, Oh, the stars are hurt to me. It's just kind of an overarching, trend of anybody any players getting hurt like I'm not like oh this takes away the like from the product of a good and competitive playoffs like I don't really look at it like that I'm not like oh my loss like you know the entertainment factors now plummeted for me Uh, I think it's more of a bummer because it sucks for Kawhi that's a really long timeline for recovery Mm -hmm. Uh, don't really know the severity of it And I don't really know what it means for him. I mean, I'm not, I think he'll like, he's staying in LA. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. Like he's home now. And I think that's what he's wanted for a long time. So I don't think it really like messes with um, any decision he'd want to make in the summer, but yeah, I don't know. It just sucks.
4: Yeah, I think you make a really good point in that it's kind of past the point of worrying about the uh, like the entertainment value of the playoffs that are going on. It is very much just like concern for the long term health of all these guys. I mean, this offseason itself coming up is going to be shortened from what it usually is like the playoff. The finals are not going to be done till a month from now. And then you're looking at a regular start to next season in 82 games. And, you know, you already have you know Jamal Murray is going to be out going into next season. You've got Kawhi potentially looking at recovery into next season as well. You know, it's just it's a lot and it is the NBA. I think, you know, it's sort of the deal with the devil they made to play this season is coming back to bite them in the ass here as everybody who studies this stuff predicted it would and I don't know if the NBA is going to feel any sort of remorse for it, if the TV, you know, deals are upheld and the broadcasters are happy and the sponsors are happy, but they should feel shitty about it because it's going to directly impact the long-term, you know, the the long-term quality of the league. It's going to mostly impact the long-term health of these players, which is the most important thing, and their potential earning potential. I mean, Kawhi is still going to get his max contract wherever it is, and that's going to be fine, but it, it's, you like... It's this sort of thing that always happens. We've seen it with like governments and COVID, where it's just like the short term concerns are all that is thought of. And it's like, really, is the extra couple billion dollars you're going to make from TV, was it actually worth it from the jump? You know, in exchange for potentially injuring guys, hurting guys, you know, having the quality of their playing careers and the quality of the league, you know, damaged in years to come. You know, It feels like, again, it's just like rich guy brain where it's like, I need money right now, but what about the future? Let's think about the future later. That's a f- f- problem for future rich guy. And it just, I don't know, it feels like it was always totally predictable. And it's tough because the players also share some blame in it, right? Like they were part of the negotiations. They wanted to play for, for a large part. We'll talk about LeBron and why I think like there's some disingenuous sort of undertones to his kind of spiel on Twitter and all that. But I just I'm past the point of even really caring about the playoffs at this point and I just want everyone to get through them healthily and that's kind of the main goal at this point like it's not really to watch basketball anymore it's to watch guys not get injured and every single day it seems like that hope is kind of going out the window as well it's uh. I don't know, Katie. (laughs) I don't know. Like, are you kind of at the same point? Like, I guess you kind of said this. It said so. Like, it's not so much the basketball anymore. Yeah, I think I kind of said that, and
5: I feel like that's what I've been saying. Yeah, um, all season to a degree. So
4: yeah, yeah. you you were on the train early. Good job. Um, Let's move away from injuries for a sec. We'll circle back to that, of course. Um, You've got couple of coach firings yesterday that came down Stan Van Gundy favorite of the podcast I believe friend of the podcast uh, in the first ever Ubbies uh, is now out of a job once again after one year in New Orleans Scott Brooks is also out in Washington let's start with Stan Van because we love Stan Van here Um, weird situation in New Orleans I not exactly a uh, an enviable one I don't think (laughs) they don't really seem to have much of an idea and uh, it's like the Burgeoning beginnings of another sort of wasted era of a super duper star on their team. Obviously, there's plenty of time for them to figure out. Zion's been around for two seasons, but you know, the more you kind of spin your wheels, the the longer it takes to kind of get to where you want to go. And there's always a a clock on these things when you're a franchise like the Pelicans. Uh, Do you understand the Stan firing at all? Do you agree with it? Are you happy to see Stan potentially go back to the broadcast booth? Like where where are you at on the Stan Van Gundy single season in new Orleans? And it's, uh, it's now come to its end.
5: Um, I think this was more from what I've heard from people who kind of have an awareness uh, of the situation is that a couple players were pretty unhappy or maybe resentful. I think one of them was JJ Redick and, or I think what it sounds like was the situation was kind of tenuous at best before Stan Van Gundy came in. Mm -hmm. David Griffin was getting a bit of flack from the locker room. And there was a little bit of a maybe poisoning the well situation is is the way that it was phrased to me. And Stan kind of lost the locker room. And, you know, this is a team of mostly young players, so they're going to listen to vets, even if it's like a vet like J.J. Reddick. I just kind of, I don't really agree with that because then he bailed. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, I don't know why he had such a stake in the team or maybe he just wanted to kind of throw up one final middle finger to the team as he walked away from them. (laughs) But I think, you know, Stan came into... I'm obviously very biased for Stan, but I do think he came into a situation that was already like not stable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I don't really know what they're going to do. I mean, we have heard like there was a really good report. I think it was maybe a year, year and a half ago that came out that said um, it was looking at the medical staff of the Pelicans. And because the ownership group also owns the saints Uh, they split their medical staff between the football team and the basketball team. And a lot of them have more expertise with football players. Uh, I think this came up around the time Anthony Davis left because there was a couple questions around the treatment he received and the urgency of care. Um, You know, you've seen Zion get hurt a bunch. I don't think that's because he plays there, but I do wonder like what the response is, you know, and what the help can kind of be for a young player like that. I wonder about development practices in place because I don't think Zion has even developed to the place that you'd kind of want to see him. But then it's a little bit of a catch 22 because how do you develop when you're injured all the time? Um, so there was a lot going on and uh, I don't know, Stan is like a tough, like he's kind of like a hard-nosed, pretty tough player, right? He's, yeah. I mean, not coach. He's got like pretty intense – I don't know standards would you say like yeah Yeah. pretty high standards like you could see him being kind of kind of gruff uh especially coming into it after not not being a coach for so long um so yeah I don't know I don't know if it was like a case of sabotage or (laughs) what but it just seems like perhaps Stan wasn't the right guy for the job yeah he'll probably go back to broadcasting it just sucks it just like it, it does suck a little bit because it, he seemed quite um, eager, you know, to go back to coaching. Sure. It's something that he'd said he'd wanted to do for like, I don't know, ever since he was fired by the Pistons. Uh, but I think it's kind of one of those riding on the wall situations. And I also don't know that any of the teams that are currently out head coaches, of which there are quite a few, He would be the right kind of fit for because they all seem to me almost in parallel, maybe not as bad situations as the Pelicans, but either needing a really, really fresh pair of eyes to kind of take over and build like a new look team out of the currently existing team. um, Or they just need like someone who has completely different coaching methods than somebody like Stan Van Gundy.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm thinking of like the Pacers. I don't know if after a year of getting screamed at by Nate Yorkrin, if, uh, you know, uh, a allowed standard having coach like Stan Van Gundy would be a perfect fit in that locker mm-hmm. room. Yeah, it's um, it does. I think I think you make a really good point about the ownership stuff and the uh, the, the dual. Uh, medical staffs for the Saints and the Pelicans and the Pelicans have always kind of been like the ugly uh, sort of tucked away under the stairs uh, stepchild type of thing in that sort of ownership group and I mean like the main owner of the team but Tom Benson died a few years ago and like ever since then it's kind of been an entirely a knowable situation there and like does gail benson even want the team like does gail benson care about the pelicans is it still just saint saint saints you know it, it's it's kind of alarming that after that report came out about how they have the dual medical staffs there's never been a follow-up report to say they actually have hired now two medical staffs one for each team it's doesn't seem like there's been much change after that reporting and so it, it does feel like that lack of direction and the inability to kind of you know, amalgamate a Stan Van Gundy and the team. It Like, the whole thing seems sort of symptomatic of bigger problems up top than it is to do with, you know, Stan Van Gundy or the roster. You know, it's the kind of thing where if they were... If the Pelicans hadn't just gone through the Anthony Davis thing and were kind of in this sort of weird reset mode it feels like maybe there'd be a little bit more room. If this was like their first attempt at building around a superstar, they would have some more sort of wiggle room and leash to get things figured out and maybe have a season of growing pains, maybe even two seasons of growing pains before kind of taking off. But because of what happened with Davis, it feels almost like the timeline with Zion is like expedited and the desperation is a lot higher, even though it probably shouldn't be, but that's just kind of, I guess the psychological effect of losing a superstar. So maybe that's kind of part of this and it's like, oh, this wasn't right. We have to change something up immediately right now. Otherwise, you know, we're wasting another year when maybe the next year with standing, would have been just fine. Maybe some roster tweaks and, you know, finding a guy or two who can play defense would have been uh, sort of the way to figure things out. Understand it is tricky. It is encouraging that it sounds like Teresa Weatherspoon, an assistant with the Pelicans is going to be considered for that job. Um, so hopefully uh i i feel it katie i think this is the year we get a a woman hired as a head coach it feels like there's enough like steam behind the idea and there's enough openings where i think it's gonna maybe even two i don't know i'm I'm gonna allow myself as cynical as as i am about the coaching carousel in the nba i'm gonna allow myself to feel optimistic about this one and maybe Teresa weatherspoon is the pick down in new orleans who knows um Scott Brooks is the other coach out yesterday, Katie, a little bit quieter, um, maybe expected. I'm not sure. Uh, It's kind of, Scott Brooks seems invincible until he's not, I suppose. But uh, what were your thoughts on Scott Brooks no longer being the coach of the Washington Wizards, and what do they need going forward, do you think?
5: I don't know what they need. I don't know that they needed to fire their coach. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they're looking to fix things. They sort of have just been looking to put patches on things, is what it feels like. And none of them are going to amount really to the sizable change that the team needs to actually move forward or have a change of identity or momentum you know like i think they they got they traded away john wall you get russ i think they did think it would be an automatic fix it wasn't because all the other underlying problems are still largely there you need a third you need a third player for for two, (laughs) like, especially for two players like that, whether it was Wall or Russ. Um, I mean, I think Burks was a good coach. Mm -hmm. He seemed to get along, like, with his roster. They all seemed to like him and, you know, feel pretty engaged um, with everything. I I think, like, it's tough sometimes to wade through what feels like a ownership group going along with, like, league trends Mm -hmm. in this case. Uh, in terms of optics, so you know, fire the coach. We did. We had a bad season. We wanted to have a better season. Fire the coach. Kind of appease the fan base, um, signal that change is coming. But you know, a new coach doesn't always one. It doesn't always fix things. And two, I don't think it really. What we've seen in the past few seasons is that it does not fix things right away. I mean, Nick Nurse to me was probably the is a is a lone example of how a coaching change turned things around right away. And I do think that was deceptive because one, he'd been with the franchise for so long, you know, he knew the inner workings of the teams. He had relationships with players. It was just an advancement of a different perspective from within the same deeply, like deeply rooted system, Mm -hmm. you know, that had been building over years. So, I think that's a little bit misleading. I don't know. It is a copycat league in a sense, so maybe other teams saw that and are like, right, we'll get a young... Like, I think that's exactly what happened in Indiana. <laughs> like, we'll get a young upstart coach and it'll turn things around for us. But surface level, that doesn't ever work.
4: Yeah. I, I mean, I guess the other example is like Steve Kerr with the Warriors taking over for Mark Jackson and kind of, you know, fixing all the ill them immediately and going to win a title in year one. But yeah, it's like super rare. And it's like that kind of coaching change is usually reserved for teams that have championship talent that can't quite maximize it like the wizards aren't anywhere near that right now and i don't really know what scott brooks or any other coach is going to do to kind of turn that ship around i mean they were awesome to finish the season they were a wonderful story they're still very clear obvious problems with that roster that are kind of beyond coaching. And you've also got Bradley Beal now going into uh, an expiring contract season and all that's going to come with that. So I don't necessarily envy who takes over for Scott Brooks in Washington because it feels like you're kind of stepping into a situation that could go to hell pretty quickly, but um, I do expect Scott Brooks, you know, Kevin Durant, let me just take a check. This. Kevin Durant's contract is up after 2023. Uh, Scott Brooks will sign on to be the coach of a team in 2022, get a year with that team, uh, in, in the hopes to lure Kevin Durant to that team. That seems to be the Scott Brooks model now is just be the guy who could potentially lure Kevin Durant, but ultimately fail. Um, so there you go. Uh, another story, Katie. God, there's just so much from yesterday. This one kind of uh, started earlier in the week and we were going to talk about it anyway. At least I wanted to talk about it anyway, but it had a little bit more uh, juice added to it yesterday. The Dallas Mavericks have parted ways with Donnie Nelson, who has been the GM of the team for, I think, 26 years. He's been around a long time. He found Dirk, uh, drafted Dirk, developed Dirk, all that stuff. Uh, He was big on the Luka thing. He's been big on the international player thing in general. Uh, and has been in that front office for a very, very, very long time. And it was kind of an unceremonious and quick end this week that came on the heels of Report on Monday from Sam Amick and Tim Cato and The Athletic. About Horolibus Vulgaris, who, if you're not familiar, is a guy who was famed for betting a bunch of money on basketball, getting pretty good at it, making a bunch of money, then lost all his money in the early 2000s, then won it all back, basically was like a pro poker player, um, and of course was known for going on Bill Simmons' podcast all the time. He got hired a couple years ago to be the director of quantitative analysis or yeah, quantitative analysis. Yeah, the numbers one uh, with the Mavericks. And the report on Monday from The Athletic suggested that maybe he's kind of taking over the front office a little bit and uh, rubbing people the wrong way in the process, including Luka Doncic, who seems like a guy you wouldn't want to rub the wrong way if he's on your franchise or in your franchise. Uh, Donnie Nelson's out just a couple days after that report. (sighs) Katie, this is one of my favorite basketball internet infiltrating its way into uh, the NBA stories in a very, very long time right up there with like Brian Colangelo and his burner accounts. Uh, What? What? What is going on in Dallas? What is your read on this situation? Do you think it's hilarious that Mark Cuban and his uh, crypto bro have taken over the team? And Mark Cuban seems uh, happy to cast aside folks like Donnie Nelson to protect his boy. It's just it's such a Mavericks ass story. I can't even believe it's real.
5: Yeah, I do feel this was a tip of the iceberg situation, you know, because it wouldn't he wouldn't have gotten fired. After that long a tenure, if things weren't internally already happening or kind of on the way to happening, you know, like this is one of those weird cyclical things where like which which really came first. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, One, I think it's very fitting that Mark Cuban would be swayed by people who think like an algorithm can run a team. (laughs) He's very susceptible to nouveau tech I think it's been shown without much proof of success. You know, he's kind of tosses his money into, he's like a big investor in all kinds of new tech. And he's just like, sure, this seems like it could work. And now I feel like everything he's put his money behind is just so he can be the first um, owner to like robotically run his basketball team. (laughs) And this is also twice now that Cuban has claimed in some way, shape or form, I think that he didn't know what was going on internally with his own organization. I think he signaled that with this. And, you know, now this makes me even more dubious of the last time that this happened and the even more serious allegations, I think, leveled against the organization with sexual harassment and misconduct claims. So um, to me, this just is more proof toward that because you aren't as entrenched as Mark Cuban and you and like, there's no way you don't know that all these things are happening. I think it's pretty much like prime business guy,
6: <laughs> <laughs> like
5: mandate to just like plead that you had no idea what was going on. Oh, the company's too big. You know, like, how uh-huh. can I be expected to, to have a finger on the pulse everywhere and, and you know, an eye everywhere and I everywhere know what's going on or it's like, yeah, you definitely do when it comes to money, yeah. you know, and what's going to make you more of it. So it's not surprising. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the maps. I don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah,
4: it's really like it's just so Cuban in so many ways. Like you said, like the whole like I didn't know this was going on thing is like such a bullshit response, especially from an owner whose whole thing is how hands-on and in your face he is. Like, if we're talking about You know, the Raptors, for example, who are owned by like a board of executives. It's not really like Larry Tannenbaum's the face of it, but it's just like a couple of corporations who own it. If you were to ask, you know, someone on that board if they know everything going on in the franchise, then maybe if they said no, you could kind of buy it a little bit, even though that's still probably malpractice. Mark Cuban is the Mavs. He's always there. He's sitting courtside. He's screaming. He's talking to like he's making personnel decisions. If he's claiming that he doesn't know anything going on in the franchise, I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a, like, a, a less veiled lie. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? And the, the I think my favorite part of this is he was, I think he tweeted maybe or he was quoted on Monday after that report came out talking about, you know, how this can't be true, it's fake, whatever. You know, this is why they didn't even talk to me about it. Uh, he's literally quoted in the piece. <laughs> like. What are you what are you trying to deny here? Like that that's not you who's quoted. Like what are we like are we saying that Sam Amick and Tim Cato are making up Mark Cuban quotes? I can tell you for sure that's not happening. And yeah, it's just it's just a wild extremely Dallas Mavericks story and my ultimate hope here Katie is that uh, Luka Doncic who does not seem to like this Haralobos Vulgaris fellow um, like forces his way out or something or like refuses to take the Supermax this summer just for the drama and the juicy gossip and also the uh, despair that will bring on to Mark Cuban it's just from the sounds of it this this like Vulgaris guy really doesn't understand how to interact with human beings like he like you're saying it's like getting an algorithm to run the team he's just like a walking human algorithm with no person-to-person contact that's not how you run a team that's not how you manage personalities like sitting courtside as a dude who again goes on bill simmons's podcast sometimes telling luka Doncic to calm down during a game like what the fuck this like where do you even get off honestly it's Oh, it's so beautiful. I I can't imagine it happening in happening in any any other franchise. I think my favorite part of it too. One of my favorite quotes, and this is again a direct Mark Cuban quote from the story that he said he was not asked or not contacted about, uh, where he said that he really likes uh, Vulgaris because he uh, you know knows a lot about AI. Like (laughs) it's it's also Mark Cuban, Katie. I can't get enough of it. It, it. Like, what do you hope happens? from this with the Mavs like are you hoping kind of for like the quant nerd to take over and like stage a coup in the front office are you hoping that he gets ousted like where are you hoping this uh insane Mavs ass soap opera uh, goes in, in the future days weeks months years here
5: year? well I feel bad for the Mavs and I feel pretty bad for Mavs fans sure. honestly um And I feel bad for Rick Carlisle and I feel bad for Jenny Busek. I feel bad for like the working parts of the team because they are, they work very well. You know what I mean? They just, they need some internal support and it seems like all of this stuff is more of a distraction. Um, I'll also say, I don't really think this dude is like a true nerd for good. I think most people who have a background in like pro poker are pretty slimy. Like they just remind (laughs) me of them. Pickup artists and magicians, so <laughs> I don't like them. <sighs> anyway, yeah, like, I I don't know. I don't want it to fall apart, but it seems they do seem a team determined to make things more difficult for themselves at every turn.
6: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
4: Uh, I... Yeah, I want it to fall apart for Mark Cuban, not necessarily for Luca or Mavs fans. Uh, That's I think. But it'll
5: never fall apart for Mark Cuban because he's a billionaire. Yeah, he's too big. So I think you know the trickle down effect of that is like a lot of people working pretty hard suffer.
4: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Last, uh, let's get to LeBron here. Quickly here, Katie, before we move into some talk about the games themselves. Uh, LeBron yesterday had himself a bit of a tweet storm about the injury rash hitting the league. Of course, he was part of it. Uh, He was injured a little bit. Of course, his teammate Anthony Davis missed games in the first round, ultimately resulting in their departure from the playoffs. Uh, And LeBron he saw this all coming this is the thing he he predicted it from day 1 and if they had if only they had listened to him everything would be fine uh, here's the tweet storm from LeBron. Quote, they all didn't want to listen to me about the start of the season. I knew exactly what would happen. I only wanted to protect the well being of the players, which ultimately is the product and benefit of our game. These injuries isn't just part of the game, it's the lack of pure rim rest before starting back up. Eight, possibly nine All Stars have missed playoff games, most in league history, in brackets. This is the best time of year for our league and fans, but missing a ton of our fave players. It's insane. If there's one person that knows about the body and how it works all year round, it's me. I speak for the health of all our players, and I hate to see this many injuries this time of year. Sorry, fans. Wish you guys were seeing all your fave guys right now. I don't disagree with the sentiment that, uh, as we've talked about, it was pretty clear from the start that the season was going to lead to a lot of injuries because of its compressed nature and the uh, sort of artificial but very, very real barrier that the Olympics provided in terms of back end cushioned for the schedule. Uh, I just don't know if I entirely believe LeBron's being super genuine here, Katie, for a lot of reasons, but I'll flip it to you first. What was your response uh, to seeing LeBron uh, get up in arms about the, the season and uh, proving once again that he was right all along?
5: uh did he say anything though at the beginning of the season other than he didn't want to play without fans
4: that was i believe in, in like the pandemics like when the shutdown was kind of being threatened he didn't right. want to play without right, fans right. but i think he made some sort of comment about the short off season for sure i don't think he mm-hmm. parlayed that into this is going to injure all other players i think it was more of a lebron thing
5: Yeah. I mean, he's, the thing is like what he's saying is not incorrect. Like, yeah, there was a lot of legitimate reason to believe that people were going to get hurt and there would be really ill effects from basically no break between last year's historically long season and this year's like historically crammed season. Um, and now we're seeing that in real time. I think LeBron always plays to the angle of, um, what is (laughs) what's, What's the most entertaining, right? Like he's big on entertainment value. So I think for him, it really is like, oh, the product is suffering. Granted, like a lot of these people are also his friends that are getting hurt. (laughs) But (laughs) he kind of frames it this way, I think uh, more for fans. But we know that about him. Like it's not not surprising. You know, it's not shocking. He like, like a week ago, he said, He wasn't going to play in the Olympics like he was going to play with the Toon Squad. So I think a lot of what LeBron says is is just around uh, optics and entertainment.
4: Yeah, I mean, I feel like you're LeBron James. If the season starting is like this big sort of point of contention for you, And you're, you know, you're you're worried about the the, the schedule and the grind of everything. If anyone can sway the decision of the, or just like sway the negotiations, uh, like it's you, pull your weight a little bit, like be LeBron James. And, you know, you're the person with the most leverage in the NBA, most likely. Try to use that against the owners who want to go play. Like, that's the thing is the players agreed to this and... Again, I, I, obviously, the, the, the players have less leverage in this conversation than the owners, and I'm not trying to make this a, uh, you know, th- like the billionaires are just as culpable as the millionaires because there's obviously a very clear difference there. And you have a lot of players in the NBA who are not even at that level where they're making, you know, a couple million a year. They're hoping to hang on to jobs, things like that. Like, those people were, like, I, I think probably more inclined to want to play this season and get the full payout that they could. And... That, that kind of goes missed when LeBron's talking about these things, right? Like, he doesn't really speak for the whole league. He speaks for his class of player in a lot of ways, and that's where it kind of comes off as, as disingenuous. Again, nothing he's saying is incorrect. Like, we, we all kind of predicted this from the start, but he just, it seems like, There's like a a weird amount of saving face to it in a lot of ways where it's like, well, I lost in the playoffs because of injury. And so, uh, you know, obviously this season is fake and stupid. And, you know, obviously this was going to happen and kind of call into the call the legitimacy of it all into question. It it just it does feel like a uh, oh, I lost in the first round. So now I'll say something type of thing from LeBron.
5: But this is exactly what fans are saying too. Sure. <laughs> like you said the same thing about the Raptor season. Yeah. You're just saying it in a more of a joking way, I guess, right? Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like it's the, sa- it's the same logic. Um, and I didn't really read that from what he was saying, to be honest. I, I I didn't read it so much like, oh, I I suffered and and therefore this is bad. I, I really do think his is more of an entertainment value because didn't he end it with like, sorry, fans? So <laughs> yeah, it's again just yeah. like. He's kind of the states, like he's, he's framing himself as the statesman of the league, which mm-hmm. he has been that he has like stepped into that role for many years now. Uh, so it wasn't surprising. I can see where you think like where you could, you could come away from it and say like this is disingenuous, but I do think it's very genuine to the role that <laughs> LeBron has assigned himself.
4: That's, uh, I think, a very good reading on it. By the way, before we wrap up here, there was a report today in The Athletic uh, about Zion Williamson and the Pelicans and the Pelicans' inability to keep him happy. Quote Multiple sources have told The Athletic that certain family members want Williamson on another team. Uh, giddy up. Hell yeah. Let's go. Uh- <laughs> love chaos this has been a wonderful playoffs to sit and watch the league meltdown from afar katie uh very very glad increasingly glad every single day that the team i like is not involved um let's uh talk about the game shall we we'll get to the games in a sec that was a very long and heavy headline segment we'll get into games injuries kevin durant oh my god and everything else going on in the playoffs as they continue we'll get to that in one second here coming up
3: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba
4: life.
2: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
4: All right, Katie. We have uh, reached the middle segment of the podcast and we're just going to continue talking about News items, and in particular on-court news items from the last couple days. Here, the NBA playoffs continue. There are three series still going on, all in various states of closeness. Now, all three-two in one way or another. Uh, the Hawks went up last night on the on the Sixers in one of the most outstanding. Like, theatrical collapses I can remember in NBA history from the Sixers. Shout out to the Hawks for winning it and pulling it out. But we'll dig into that. Um, You know, the Jazz lose last night to the Clippers. Paul George going nuts. Donovan Mitchell says after the game he can barely move. Mike Conley's not available. Uh, It's great. We'll love that we are continuing on with this. And then... The Nets Bucks series, which was tied 2 2 ahead of a pivotal game five in which James Harden played 46 minutes on a bum hamstring and could barely move. The Bucks, you know, kind of had it for the taking, and they allowed Kevin Durant to score 49, 17, and 10 on their heads on like 16 of 23 shooting by all accounts, uh, watching it and also just uh, speaking numbers wise, one of the greatest games ever played by a player in the history of the NBA. It was awesome, Katie. I don't know if you got to catch it. It was uh, just thrilling, thrilling stuff. Where do you want to start with the second round, Katie? There's lots to get into. What's uh, sort of piquing your interest the most right now?
5: I will say that like, of the Nets Bucks series. To me, it's so funny aside from that last game, like, and that's only one player, uh, how bad the series has been it's when awful. everyone was like, "This series <laughs> is going to be the best. It's going to be the most competitive. Like what great basketball we're going to see. Like game four was so like so sloppy. It was <laughs> such like just bad basketball and by everybody, like by everybody. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of funny how this is, this is, happened but uh, i still don't know like it could be the bucks could the bucks could come back the nets could take it i don't know i think the best part for me about every series like maybe the silver lining thing amidst all the uh really bad injuries and just like how stretched thin every team is is that it could be honestly anybody's title this season
4: yeah that's um I don't even know who to like, it seems like the favorite to win the title changes every single day, every hour, like when games are going on. It's like, oh, the Clippers are doomed. Oh, no, maybe the Clippers are fine. Uh, oh, no, they're injured now. Maybe they're screwed. Uh, you know, the Suns are the favorites. Oh, no, Chris Paul, what's going on? It's uh, it's all over the place. That Nets Bucks series, like you said, it's been kind of a, like a very terrible, ugly, poorly executed slog. But I do think it is worth just like we we talk a lot about sort of the uh you know the unsavory parts of the league especially this season where we're just kind of disenchanted with the whole idea. Maybe this is a little bit romantic, maybe this is corny. That Kevin Durant game was like a good reminder of why I like basketball in a lot of ways. It was I was just so enraptured watching him just like it doesn't matter Giannis is on me Brooke Lopez is on me Chris Middleton's on me it doesn't matter I'm scoring in the most absurd ways possible and I'm going to drag my team that has uh like Landry Schammett playing heavy minutes to a huge series shifting win I mean did did you get the good feelings watching that Katie like, I, I, it was just like I don't know I can't recall maybe it's like I'm thinking maybe like the LeBron Kyrie games to close out the 2016 finals are the last time I was just like moved by the performance of an individual player so deeply. It was uh, really fucking cool to watch.
5: Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about You're it. the
4: feelings person. I thought you might have a big feelings diatribe dialed up about Kevin Durant. I don't know. I was teeing you up.
5: I mean, Sean, it's it doesn't work it doesn't really work like that.
4: Mm, fair and enough. I don't
5: appreciate just being treated like an on off switch in that sense. <laughs>
4: Fair enough. Um, the, speaking of on and off switches, the Philadelphia 76ers uh, turned theirs off last night in the fourth quarter against the Atlanta Hawks as they were up 26 points at one point in the third and end up losing. Uh, I mean... It was awesome to watch Trey Young just killing it. Uh, John Collins was really awesome in that fourth quarter hitting banked in threes and stuff. The Sixers only got points from Seth Curry and Joel Embiid in the entire second half. The only players to make field goals in the entire second half. That's crazy. Uh, This has been a kind of surprisingly delightful series. I kind of expected the Sixers were going to, you know, plow through, and that, it's not entirely delightful because a big part of why the struggles seem to be going on here for Philly are that Joel Embiid is playing on a torn meniscus, and it's horrifying considering the size he is and his injury history. It's a little bit uncomfortable to watch, but the Hawks part of it has been uh, really, really fun. What have been your impressions of this series, Katie, Is now the Hawks lead
5: 3-2? I don't really know who I'm rooting for. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked last night how happy Trey Young was when they won. Yeah, um, He was kind of just like at a loss for words, he was so happy. Mm -hmm. I think there was one moment when he he stumbled over what he was saying. He was like, we just, we just love each other. And then he corrected himself. He's like, we love playing with each other. Um, and I don't know, it's like, that's been really nice to see. I really do think like the Hawks are still working off this momentum where they're not convinced that they shouldn't be there. Um, you know, and like it, it's almost like that willful suspension of disbelief. And as long as that lasts, like they'll keep playing that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm.
6: Uh,
5: it sucks that – like it, I don't know. I, it's very worrisome that Embiid is like playing through that. I know a lot of players play through horrendous injuries and are like more banged up than we ever realize until after the playoffs, like through the entirety of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I know that's normalized. Um, but it's pretty troubling. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I, I, I don't know. It's his, I suppose it's his decision whether or not he wants to leverage like his health now for a shot at what he wants very badly, which is a championship versus, you know, potential recovery time should things get worse. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know who, who I want to come out of this series. I'll be honest.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think for, like, entertainment's sake in the next round, probably Philly, just because I don't think the Hawks are going to beat either cool. of them. Yeah, I know. I'm a monster. Uh, <laughs> but the Hawks are uh, freaking fun. And, I mean, Lou Williams going off last night against the Sixers was pretty awesome. I'm not even a Lou Williams guy necessarily, but he just kind of took over, and it was great to see. And I thought his post game was really nice, too, where he was talking about just, like, how the youth of the Hawks has been really good for him. He's enjoying the young guys, kind of being the vet in the room. Feels respected by the young guys. Like that was a nice little thing after a trade that I think a lot of people kind of laughed at when it happened. Um, so like, there's there's a lot to a lot of reasons to like the Hawks. I've come around on Trey Young quite a bit as well. I uh, you know was kind of not really a Trey Young dude, but he's been just so lights out in the postseason that I've become one of the converted. I think with the Trey Young hive. It's I do still keep coming back to the Embiid thing, though, and and it just kind of puts a downer on this series and makes it very uncomfortable and uneasy. And I, I don't know, Katie, like this is the thing with James Harden as well. And I'm curious what you think and how you sort of come down on it. I feel very uncomfortable, like saying, oh, this guy shouldn't play like it's ridiculous that he's playing through this injury. You know, like it's obviously going to end horribly. That said, I mean, the specter of like the Kevin Durant Achilles thing in the finals two years ago still looms. You know, the Anthony Davis thing in the first round where, you know, he played very clearly not even close to health. And, you know, it was like clearly a pretty bad idea to throw him out there. Harden obviously wasn't totally right. Like, where are you at on the sort of concept of protecting players from themselves it does take a lot of agency away which obviously is bad and, and silly and it does you know kind of seem like you're kind of speaking blindly on it all when you're like these guys shouldn't be playing but also i kind of get it when people are like maybe mb shouldn't be playing right now like what are we doing here it's just basketball and these are his legs like where are you at on that whole sort of idea of policing and fi- like just sort of the thought exercise of should guys be playing through injuries
5: mm, um i mean i this is kind of tough because I've also heard that like team, team doctors, not all, but like some are more concerned with like, okay, it's not, are you healthy enough that you, it's not like you should be playing. It's, are you healthy enough to play? Right. Right. Like, right. are you, are you healthy enough and are you like optimal in your life situation? No. But can you like hobble out on the floor and maybe, you know, play for 28 minutes or something? Sure. Uh, I don't like that. You know, I'm not in, we're obviously not in the locker rooms for those conversations, but I think that's like, that's kind of worrying. So maybe more than policing players. I don't know. You can't, it's, it also just sucks because you can't prove like any of that stuff's happening. You know, again, we're like not in the locker room, but I guess that's the more troubling thing to me. It's like these, these players obviously trust the medical staff are around them Mm -hmm. and the medical staff knows that they have like the players trust and they're telling them perhaps to like go out and play. Uh, I don't know. I, I want to hope that there's a lot of agency, especially for a player like James Harden and Joel Embiid who are star players and can exercise, do exercise a lot of like control out of that power and that their medical staff understands that measure of trust. Uh, and also their worth to the franchise in that sense
4: yeah it's uh i mean again i don't feel totally comfortable really even remarking upon it because i'm not in those rooms i'm not the metal medical directors it's just you know it's hard not to have a bit of a queasy feeling watching Joel Embiid hobble around or watching donovan mitchell say he can barely move after his game last night against the jazz it's uh you know, is it all worth it? I mean,
5: I think you can be critical. Like, yeah. th- I don't think if like you're you're just like a person on Twitter and you're like, I don't think this person should play. I don't think you should be so alarmist as to say like, oh, don't like they're policing players behavior because sure. like their players don't give a shit. They're never going to see that. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> KD might, you are yeah. literally not. In, you are literally like not impacting anything. Yeah. So I think it's fine in that sense and perhaps even important to be critical because it shows like, yeah, you know. There's obviously like a, a voice of discontent here, but but extending that to say like we're interfering with like players' autonomy, no, because we don't have that kind of leverage.
4: Yeah, yeah, we're not telling people to not play. We're just tweeting, uh, which has no meaning whatsoever. Um Do you have any thoughts on the Jazz uh, Clippers series before we move on here, Katie, to the segment we're trying out this week? Uh, Game five was last night. Paul George was amazing. He was very cool. Uh, Rooting for him because, man, as much as it's fun to slander Paul George, we've done our fair share on this here podcast. It's gotten to the point where, or it was getting to the point where it was more sad than anything else and it wasn't really funny anymore. And it's cool that he kind of did like the vintage Pacers thing where he's like, you know what? I'm just going to carry my team and I'm going to be amazing and a world-class player. That was pretty cool. Uh, but of course, that entire series has the specter of injury hanging over it as well. Uh, any thoughts on that series before we move on?
5: Mm, I'm pretty sad for Mike Conley. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like on the Paul George note, I think, you know, Kawhi wanted that guy for a reason. So yeah. I trust that.
4: Yeah. I mean, he had a I don't hard time in
5: the bubble. Maybe it's run its course. Like, And maybe the uh, criticism of him from that time should run its course too.
4: Yeah, I mean, I guess Ben Simmons is doing a good job taking on the the slander that Paul George once occupied. So, uh, you know, people are satiated in their... Viewing takes about people who underperform in the playoffs oh ben simmons he might come up in the next segment uh in the next segment we are going to uh do a segment we're trying out this we can bring back an old favorite replay and name that tune slash team where uh, we have each selected songs and the other person has to declare which nba team most is summarized by that song and this time around it's the this league is on fire edition where we're choosing songs all about things that are burning down and or on fire that's coming up in just one second We'll be
2: The the roof, the roof is on fire! The The roof! The roof! The roof roof is on fire!
4: we've reached the segment we're trying out this week here on uh basketball and we're bringing back an old fave. As we've said, name that tune slash team, which we've done uh eighties bangers. I believe was a, a category we've done in the past. I can't remember the other category, but this is, I believe the third time we brought this segment to the podcast. And as teased before, as the league burns around us, we are doing a, this league is on fire edition of name that tune slash team katie and i have each selected three songs that have something to do with things being on fire and or burning and uh, the other person once hearing the song is going to have to assign a current nba team to that song uh because the thematics line up or whatever uh katie are you ready to dive on in mm-hmm. all right uh let's fire up my first song producer dylan take it away Canada Zone, Nickelback, Burn It to the Ground. Katie, do you like this song, first of all?
5: <laughs> I've never heard this song in my life. You've
4: never heard Burn It to the Ground by Nickelback? They, no, dude. If you recall, at the 2010 Vancouver Olympics, as a symbol of all it. the arts and culture that Canada has to offer... Nickelback played that song at the opening ceremonies. Uh, it's real bad. <laughs> Do you? Uh, let's find let the, uh, the the lyrics of that uh, that uh, chorus here. We're going off tonight to kick out every light, take anything we want, drink everything in sight. We're going till the world stops turning while we burn it to the ground tonight. Um, it's mostly a song about getting shit-faced. Uh, Katie. Why'd
5: they do that at the Olympic ceremony? Because Canada like is
4: a herb-ass dream. country, man. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what That's to tell weird. you. <laughs> it is some Canada okay. shit. Uh, <laughs> what do you got for Burn It to the Ground by Nickelback? Which current no, you NBA team? No, pick your song. No, I pick you the pick song, and then song. you have to assign the team. That's how this works, Katie.
5: Um. Okay. Well, I don't know. So this is like a song about crooks um, and like
4: being okay with, the with everything burning down, I think is kind of the general um, vibe.
5: I guess the Mavs, but just because of Mark Cuban yeah, yeah, and his weird gambling addicted friend.
4: Yeah, I could see those two uh, turning it up to some Nickelback. And, uh, you know, maybe they're in the casino. This is playing while they're playing a little Texas Hold'em. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. They're they're, like Mark Cuban is very okay with the concept of his franchise burning down if his AI liking friend can be in power. I think that's a good uh, good lining up of the themes here, Katie. Off to a rollicking start. What's your first song for me? Hell yeah. Classic
5: Billy Joel story song (laughs) that I just, like, I can't help but choke up every time I hear it, even though he's just listing things. It's just a Mm -hmm. list. It's just a point (laughs) form song. Um, But I guess it makes me emotional.
4: Yeah. We Didn't Start
5: the Fire by Billy Joel.
4: So to me, Katie, this feels not necessarily like a team, but more the leadership of the NBA PA. You know, this kind of goes right inside, right, right along with with LeBron's. Like LeBron might as well have just tweeted the lyrics to this song. Um, you know, this is not a thing on us. This is the NBA's fault. This is the league's fault for forcing us to play seventy-two games. We didn't start the fire. We're just living in it, and the world's turning. Um, but maybe they're uh, not exactly accepting their own culpability. The same as you know. The millennial generation, any generation really blames other generations for their problems and never really does anything about it, kind of feels lebron to me. So this is not a team. It is the leadership of the NBA PA. How does that sound as a comparison?
5: That's fine. But I do take umbrage with oh. you dissing millennials. <laughs> I'm not millennials, saying, look,
4: look, I, I know. I'm aware I'm of the generation that complains about everything and does nothing to do. I mean, I certainly don't do anything to fix it. I'm waiting on the children to fix everything. So maybe I'm speaking from just my own little perch here as a, uh, as a person who's just accepted that everything sucks. But um, you know, you're, you're, you're one of the good ones, Katie, you're, you're a good millennial. How about that? Um, got my next song ready to go here. Uh, producer Dylan fired up. What a joint. Uh, okay. Beds are burning by Midnight Oil. You're a Midnight Oil person, right, Katie?
5: No. Like, what you, <laughs> that's the only song I know of there. Oh, okay. So I don't know that I <laughs> classify myself as a Midnight Oil person.
4: Fair enough. Uh, I just That song, to me... It, it kind of is in line with like the the Tarzan boys of the world um, where I just, I know you appreciate a certain kind of 80s bop. And so this song, I was actually fearful mm. you might pick this song. So um, I don't believe mm-hmm. you have, which is good. Um, but uh, what song do you think this most uh, lines up with an NBA team or what team most lines up with this song?
5: Uh huh. Um, so to me, this kind of reads as like a bit, it's like a little bit whiny. Mm-hmm. Um, so... What do I think? What do I think? This is tough because I don't necessarily want to assign any current team in the playoffs as whiners because they're <laughs> up against impossible circumstances. Sure, you know. sure. Uh, but I'll just base this uh, on his facial expressions and reactions alone. <laughs> Um, but Coach Bud, so I would assign this to the Bucks.
4: Ooh, I like that. I I, I think that's pretty good. I was going to come with a suggestion if you were having trouble with uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, mostly because Ben Simmons is Australian, like Midnight Oil, and you could easily do a song right. called Bens Are Burning. Uh- <laughs> To sum up his fourth right. quarter performances but the bucks are also a uh, a pretty good one here as well uh katie do you have another song for me
5: yeah i do i realized i didn't really throw to the last one yeah that's okay um, i kind of sure didn't,
4: didn't really tee up to you to throw it's a sort of a double throw situation we got here and i missed the first the, the relay was not really completed so uh, glad we've got it this time
5: okay <laughs> here's my second burning song yeah actually it's just called burn but
4: mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, an unbelievable song Uh, a classic of uh, grade six dances for sure one of the slow songs comes on you timidly ask a girl to dance Uh, good memories there Um,
5: which is so weird considering (laughs) what the song is about but yeah
4: yes (laughs) Uh, it is about like a breakup right is that where we're going here is that the sort of general theme
5: about but it was like released around the time when it was like usher ruined his own relationship sure, um, sure. because he he like cheated on someone and fathered yeah. a child and like lied about it um yeah this was like around actually i don't know if this was around the same time as confessions part one and two but i do feel like you know it's the same wheelhouse It's
4: the same album it is the same album uh <laughs> the album Confessions of course uh which one which one is this off of it is off of just yeah the first confessions um i mean let me tell you as a 13 year old person when this hit boy did this album really kind of resonate uh very glad that uh that you played it here um so talking about a breakup talking about sort of causing the this the discord within the the ranks on your own kind of being Hoisting yourself on your own petard, essentially. I'm trying to think if there's like an NBA team that's like kind of doing like a self sabotage thing right now. That's kind of the thing I'm looking at. And maybe this is something to do with a star. It could be the Pelicans kind of sifting around looking for ways to make Zion Williamson happy into you know, the process, kind of ruining the relationship as they go along. That could be it. Aren't we
5: picking playoff contenders for the most part
4: yeah that's that's fair i mean i was kind of going for the general like present day just teams in the league because more than just the teams in the playoffs have been making news the last couple days here but we can keep it playoff specific Mm. if we want as well um in which case boy this is not easy Because, you know, if there were, if we were on the track for a Giannis and Milwaukee breakup right now, I think that would be a good one. But we're not really on track for that at the moment. I'm just trying to think of, you know, relationships that are frayed in the league right now. And Zion is the one that I can think of. Uh, There's not really any star who's like pushing to get moved right now. We don't even, I'm not saying Zion's pushing to get moved necessarily, but there's that. There's also, oh, no, no, no. Okay, here it is. It's Neil O'Shea. Neil O'Shea he doesn't seem very self-aware that he's the reason for it all going wrong but he very much is the reason for Mm -hmm. it going wrong maybe his confessions will come out soon and he'll have a a great album that we can all remember in 20 years Um, so yeah I'm going with the Blazers and Neil O'Shea for Burn good great song what a what a song (laughs) did you have a suggestion that I that I missed out on here
5: no, that's a pretty good one.
4: Okay, good stuff. Uh, we'll go to my final song here. Uh, Dylan, take it away.
0: Somebody <laughs> call
4: Sean Kingston, fire! This segment's getting me hot. Uh I'm a little sweaty over here with all these fire songs. Uh, <laughs> Katie, what do you got for uh the The Fire Burning by Sean Kingston? A song I think about it burning and also being kind of happy about it.
5: <laughs> uh unfortunately I just think about his jet ski accident, and then that just <laughs> makes me think of Miami.
6: Mm.
4: You could say that their first round was akin to a jet ski accident.
5: No, I don't mean like that. I just mean that's the associative. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's mean. They just mean like that's the associative line that my brain takes. Sure, um, sure. But people probably, when this song came out, were listening to it on yachts. Oh, yeah. In uh, clubs all over. But, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Miami.
4: Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Um, You know, they kind of live in a chaotic environment, right? Everything, like with Jimmy Butler, things are burning at all times. Sometimes it's a a controlled burn and it's good. Sometimes it's a little out of control, but they kind of got a handle on it. Um, But they're mostly okay with it because uh, the results are just fine. Um, You know, this just blew me away. Guess how old Sean Kingston is. That song feels like it came out 20 years ago. Guess how old Sean Kingston is.
5: I mean, he's either really old or not old at all. Right?
4: Yeah. I mean, that's wrong why I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs>
5: um, I don't know. Is he like, isn't he like 30?
4: He's 31. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. I, I would have penciled him to be like 40 by now. But uh, congrats to Sean Kingston for reaching success, I guess, at like age 17. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, you got one, one last song for me, Katie?
5: I do have one last song. Uh, It's a hit. Lay it on. This House is on Fire by ACDC from the Ooh. underrated album Flick of the Switch. Also <laughs> underrated album art, I have to say.
4: Oh, okay. Um, boy. Well, I've, I don't know if I... I've heard a lot of ACD songs. ACDC, they kind of all run together, if I'm being totally honest. But no. But just kind of reading the lyrics here. I know that's not correct. I know there's different themes to all of them. Um. What's the sort of general takeaway of the song here, Katie? I'm reading the lyrics. I'm not really pulling the meaning just out the top of my head. Uh, it's here.
5: like an appreciative burn. I feel like it's about. It's right. a desirous song because he's oh, singing yeah, on okay.
4: a woman. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. It's I got you here. So appreciative burn. You know, happy that the burning is going on. Infatuated by the burning. Can this be uh, me watching the NBA right now? Uh, (laughs) No, that's a (laughs) cop-out. Okay, fine. Um, I'll say, you know, obviously the Phoenix Suns are in a bit of a, a tough situation with Chris Paul potentially being out for an indefinite amount of time here. But I would say that... I'm going to say the Suns here because they're watching the rest of the playoffs burn right now watching the, the potential contenders kind of fall off, suffer injury, all this stuff, you know, maybe get eliminated prematurely and they're kind of sitting there waiting. They've already escaped the gauntlet of the second round. They're watching the league burn around them and thinking, huh, our chances are probably pretty freaking good right now. And uh, so yeah, I'll go the Phoenix Suns appreciative of the burning, even though, Part of the burning is also hit their own house, but they probably have a fire extinguisher on hand that can take care of that. that, Is that a good read?
5: Yeah, I think that's a good read. I also think they really Uh, want to win.
4: Yes. Yeah, I think that's a very, very good point. Um Katie, we've reached the end of uh, this "League Is On Fire" edition of Name That Tune Slash Team. I'm glad we didn't have any repeat songs. Glad we uh, came with some bangers. Very, very uh, happy with how that went. Let's move on to the posters of the week, shall we, Katie? Uh, the way we wrap up every episode with the best in NBA social media from the last seven days. Uh, this week, I'm not copping out and looking at your basketball feelings Instagram the day of the podcast and finding something. I had this in there from the weekend uh, after Game Four of the Suns Nuggets series as the Suns complete the sweep. Tory Craig went live on Instagram, and uh, we got a glimpse of DeAndre Ayton and campaign dancing their asses off as Frank Kaminsky looked at his phone and ignored it all, which I thought thought to be a pretty underrated funny part of this. Um, but DeAndre Ayton campaign, the vibes of this Suns team are. Off the freaking charts, Katie, Uh, hopefully the Chris Paul news hasn't dampened said vibes because they are just a true delight. And uh, it's not really going to translate super well to the podcast, so it won't play the clip of the dancing, but... We do have a bonus clip of DeAndre Ayton uh, after the game in which I believe it was game three. Nicole Jokic goes for 32, 20, and 10, and is amazing. Uh, you know, th- th- Here's the clip of DeAndre Ayton after the game, which I just think kind of highlights the delightfulness of this Phoenix Suns team.
1: Jokic had, yeah, like, 20 rebounds. That's like
6: 10 offensive rebounds, 10. That's insane. Yeah, that's insane. And 10 assists. I did not know that. That's amazing. Yep, they an MVP.
4: <laughs> I love DeAndre Ayton. What a guy! Glad he's having a coming out party here in the uh, in the playoffs, and glad that he has a chance to win a title before Luka Doncic, so we can put to rest that whole "oh, the son screwed up taking Ayton" thing. Maybe they did, but uh, they seem to have gotten their guy. Regardless, good stuff, Katie. It's your turn.
5: Um. Yeah, so I want to give an honorable mention to uh, Boban eating an ice cream cone, um, <laughs> but Jokic was with him because Jokic took the picture. So I'm glad those guys are having a nice start to their summer.
6: Mm-hmm. Um,
5: also like a speedy start, like they just finished and they were like, peace, we're out of this country. We hate it here. We're going home, um, which <laughs> I respect. And then my true choice is Jokic uh, back with his horses and just like harness racing, just doing kind of, well, he's not racing. He's just basically doing warm-ups uh, with his horses. And there's like a video of it that's maybe like almost three minutes long. Uh, and I watched the whole thing. And it's just very <laughs> soothing to me. Just like the sound of the horse snorting, the air, like the breeze, the jingling of like the tack of the harness, the hooves. I love it all. Yeah. Um, And Jokic seems, like, really zoned out, so I like it.
4: Yeah. I I love Nikola Jokic so much, and it saddens me that once he's done in the NBA, I fear we might never see him again. (laughs) Like He just might be like... No, we won't. Yeah. You know what? Bye. I'm I'm done with this. Uh, You'll see me at my Hall of Fame ceremony, maybe, on Zoom. And other than that, I am out of here. I honestly think
5: that's why so many like, and especially, like, Well, mostly American people are so confounded by him because you, you know, like they can't grasp the fact that like he doesn't really give a shit about buying into like the predominant American culture that he's been thrust into, you know. And he'd rather go and like harness rice around, you know. Mm -hmm. Like he just he doesn't (laughs) care. Like he he he's he's not happiest there, and I think that is very confusing. Uh, for many Americans.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, great pick, Katie, and uh, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Uh, very good stuff. You know, some depressing things, but some good high notes to end it off with. Of course, uh, Katie, you have anything you'd like to promote before we get out of here?
5: Um, not really. I have a couple big things coming up uh, that I need to finish. So. Um, No, I'm going to promote myself getting my work done. (laughs)
4: Uh, As always, I'll promote basketball feelings, which continues to be great. Your exit series have the series of posts have been wonderful. So thank you for those. Uh, You can find me, of course, on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can listen to Locked on Raptors. We're going to dig into draft stuff with the lottery coming up very soon. Katie, I'm looking forward to talking about the lottery with you on Tuesday uh, or next week. Sorry. uh, And all the results. If it weren't so busy today, we might have looked ahead a little bit to the lottery, but we just had no time unfortunately um, also you uh, can join our little watch party that we're going to do for the draft lottery if you're a Toronto Raptors fan on Tuesday night you can go to my pin tweet for all the information on how to join and be part of that it's going to be a blast and Lastly, I have a new thing to promote as well. Uh, The Canadian Elite Basketball League starts up their third season next week, which is very cool. And uh, I am going to be hosting a new show. Your dog's very excited about it. I'm hosting a new show called CEBL Weekly. It's going to be on the CEBL Plus app. It's me. Kind of just doing like a highlight and panel and interview show 20 minutes a week. It's going to be a ton of fun, and uh, I really hope you watch that. It's like $17.99 for the year for CEBL+. It's very much worth it. You get all the games and stuff for free as well. Um, but if you want that exclusive uh, weekly wrap-up show, then uh, please go watch CEBL Weekly. It starts June 24th. The first episode will drop. So thanks in advance for that. Uh, that's going to do it. Again, go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash basketball with two H's. That is the place to be to support us. It's the best way to support us. Gotta welcome in new Patreon subscriber, Javier Reyes, who's uh, a dear, dear pal and uh, has been a long-time supporter of the podcast, so thanks and welcome to the Patreon family. Also, thank you, of course, to producer Dylan uh, for playing those sick tracks and uh, always making us sound great. Thanks to our social media director, Jess, and everybody else involved with Space Monkey Media who let us do this fun, silly little podcast that's gonna do it thank you so much for tuning in we'll talk to you again next week with another episode of uh basketball
0: heat.